Turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John chapter 14, please. John chapter 14. Our text will be verse 18. From our scripture reading in Ezekiel chapter 16, just a few moments ago, we read where the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Ezekiel and showed him something of mankind's orphanage, his state and his condition of being an orphan. Uh, What a picture Ezekiel chapter 16 is of both our condition and our redemption. The state and condition that we were in spiritually after the fall of Adam. And who and how we're redeemed and saved. Thrown into an open field to die. Our navel wasn't even cut. Our mother was out to do away with us quickly. The umbilical cord of separation was cut at her end. We were unwashed and unswaddled, unwrapped, dirty, unclean, and filthy, naked, unwrapped, and uncovered, with only our own polluted blood upon us. No eye pitied us, Ezekiel says. No man had compassion on us, but but the Lord passed by us. But the Lord looked upon us. And when He did, it was a time of love. The Lord spread His skirt, His perfect righteousness upon us. The Lord covered our nakedness. He entered into a covenant with us. God did. We didn't initiate it. He did. We became His. He washed us with water. He washed away our blood, representing our guilt and our sin. He washed away it all, sin and guilt. With His own precious blood, He he washed it away and He anointed us with oil. He clothed us with a broidered work, expensive and colorful and masterfully made. He covered us with skins, representing the death of the sacrifice, He covered us with silk, representing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He decked us with ornaments. He put bracelets on our hands. He put chains around our necks. He put jewels in our foreheads. He put earrings in our ears, making us forever His bond slaves. He decked us with gold and silver, raiment of fine linen and silk, and We ate the best and we eat the best of His flour and honey and oil. We prospered into a kingdom. We were made perfect through the comeliness, that being the perfection of Christ our Lord as He that, that He put on us when He took our sin upon Himself. God took our sin and gave us His perfect righteousness. There's never been a greater trade or transaction than that. And what did we do? Well, God said we trusted in our own beauty. 
We played the harlot. We poured out fornication on everyone that passed by. Not just content to corrupt ourselves, but our fallen desire is to corrupt everyone around us. And it's here that we see what God did for His chosen people in love and mercy and grace and what we are by nature in and of ourselves. After the death of our first parents, every boy, girl, man, woman, born of woman, was by definition an orphan. What is an orphan? Well, the definition of an orphan is a child whose parents are dead. A young child who is fatherless, one who is parentless, one who is comfortless. Matter of fact, that word comfortless used only one time in the Scriptures and that in our text in John chapter 14 means to be an orphan. The Greek word for comfortless is orphanous. comes from the word orphan. To be fatherless. And that's a pretty common subject in the world today. You know, it's estimated that 153 million children worldwide are orphans. 153 million. The highest numbers are found in Russia, Iran, Colombia, Brazil, Mexico, South Africa, and Peru. According to UNICEF, almost 5,700 children become orphans every single day. In America alone, there's estimated to be 10 million children living in institutions and more than 60 million living on the streets, some with and some without parents. And you know, it's a sad thing to see an orphan, isn't it? A small child who is parentless, without anyone to take care of them, provide for them, defend them. Did you know that President Herbert Hoover was an orphan at nine years old? Eleanor Roosevelt was an orphan and later adopted by her grandmother at age 15. Marilyn Monroe was an orphan. Spent most of her life in foster care being abandoned by a mentally ill mother. At age seven, Babe Ruth, the Bambino, (laughs) he was sent to St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys. It was just simply a reformatory, an orphanage where he stayed until he was 19 years old and began to play professional baseball. Bach, the great composer, was an orphan. Ray Charles was an orphan. The stories of orphans being heroes is a very popular subject. No wonder that Marvel Comics had Superman, Spider-Man, the Hulk, the Daredevil, and countless other superheroes grow up as orphans. Everyone loves to hear the story of an orphan being successful and doing well. I read not long ago that over 22,000 babies are left in hospitals each year. 65% of them newborn. I read a news story several years ago about where a young baby was discovered by a delivery man who was traveling to an orphanage and he heard the baby crying inside one of his packages. 
It was found that a young mother wrapped the baby up in plastic and sent it in a not-so-special delivery fashion to an orphanage. You know, it's horror story after horror story of the abandoned orphan. Babies found in dumpsters? That's just heartbreaking. But I have good news to those of you who profess to know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in John chapter 14, verse 18, the child of God is assured and reassured by Christ Himself that they are not orphans. Verse 18, the Lord Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, that word comfortless in the Greek is orphanous. It means fatherless. It means parentless. That's what happened to mankind because of Adam's fall. We lost our first parents and we were parentless. We are comfortless. Our first parents rebelled and they disobeyed God and they died as God said they would. In the day you eat thereof of this tree, my tree, you shall surely die. And they ate and they died. And you and I were born orphans. Or were we? According to the words of the Lord Jesus here in our text, not all of us were. To some, our Lord says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Hold your place here in John chapter 14 and turn back to Lamentations chapter 5 with me. Lamentations right um, after the book of Jeremiah. Lamentations chapter 5. I want you to see three verses here, beginning in verse 1. Lamentations 5, verse 1. Remember... O Lord, what has come upon us, consider and behold our reproach. Our inheritance is turned to strangers, our houses to aliens. In verse 3, Lamentations 5, we are orphans and fatherless and our mothers are as widows. He says here that what was once ours is no longer. Our inheritance is turned or given to strangers. Our houses given to aliens. We're orphans. We're fatherless. Our mothers are widows. Friends, we lost everything in Adam. And we lost fellowship with God. Mankind lost their righteous standing with God Almighty. And we are now dead in trespasses and sin. We've offended the law of God. We've offended God's holy justice. We've offended God. Our sins against God and God alone. Paul says that we're without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth or the citizenship of Israel. Strangers. 
foreigners from the covenants of promises. We have no hope by nature and are without God in this world. Does that sound and seem helpless to you? Well, our text declares that to some in this fatherless, parentless state of orphanage will not be left that way. That's good news if you see yourself to be comfortless. The Lord Jesus, the sovereign Savior, the omnipotent God, the Son, says, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. And I suppose the most common affliction for an orphan is just the realization of being left alone, not having anyone. You know, it's common knowledge that in worldly orphanages, when a boy or girl reaches a certain age, their opportunities for not being adopted become very high. But spiritually speaking, the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto Himself is according to the good pleasure of His will. And He who works all things after the counsel of His own will says to those who were predestinated for the heavenly adoption, He says, I will not leave you an orphan. And I love these five words. I will come to you. It's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners. So powerful and moving to the heart are those words to me. I will come to you. We come to Christ because He first came to us. Just as we love Him because He first loved us. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and did what? Sent. He sent His Son to be, those words are italicized, so the verse actually reads, He sent His Son, the propitiation. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the believer's propitiation. Mercy seat. That's what the word means. He's the mercy seat for our sins. Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sin, the mercy seat, the only sacrifice that God will accept. He's our friend who sticketh closer than a brother. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father who comes to us. He will not leave us fatherless. The Prince of Peace is with every single believer. Let's just make a couple, three observations about orphans. Orphans, first, uh, loses the kind and loving hand that fed them, prepared their food, provided their clothing. They lost their parents. But that's not so for the believer. He cares for us in bringing us eternal things. Does your soul hunger? Christ is the bread of heaven. Do you thirst for righteousness? From Christ our rock flows the waters that never cease. Christ is your righteous and acceptable covering. Mm -hmm. David said, I'm poor and needy, but that's not all that he said. 
He said, also, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. That's not, that's not something a true orphan can say. Paul said, I besought the Lord three times to take away this thorn of the flesh from me. But the Lord Jesus reminds the impatient sinner, my grace is sufficient for you. If grace is in, by, and through the Lord Jesus Christ, then it's eternally sufficient. It's forever sufficient. Not a sparrow falls to the ground without His wise and sovereign providence. Every lily is arrayed and more glorious than Solomon in all his glory was. Secondly, an orphan is left without instruction. There's Left with no counsel, no teaching, no chastening. But the believer is not an orphan. Those who believe and trust in Christ are never left in such a state. God sees to it that they grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Is that not your experience? But of Him, God, are you in Christ Jesus. Christ is made to us all that we need and all that God requires. The first thing on the list of the things that Christ has made to us is wisdom. Jesus Christ is our wisdom. He's our counselor. He's our advocate. He directs our path. He guides every step. With the Holy Spirit given to us, there's not a single truth given that we may not understand. And then thirdly, an orphan is one who lacks a defender and a protector. They're fatherless. You know, when a young child is picked on, often the first words out of his mouth is, I'm going to tell my daddy. And I've had many a young man, friends of my sons over the year, who's, who have told me time and again, my daddy's stronger than you. Than you. Not long ago, I heard two boys discussing whose daddy could beat the other one's daddy up. (laughs) I'm sure their daddies were good friends. But nobody's stronger than my daddy. Nobody can do what my daddy can do. Every loving child believes their daddy's the best. And there have been men and women alike who were unkind and cruel and have wickedly taken things from orphans, but that can never, ever happen to a child who has a caring father. So that can never happen to you, child of God. He will not leave you comfortless. He won't leave you to orphanage. We have an advocate with the Father who always pleads our cause. Always looks out for us. Satan would snatch every single promise of God from us. But we're never defenseless with Christ as our advocate and our caretaker. He's not left us orphans. He says, I'll come to you. I'll be your Father, the everlasting Father. Then this encouraging verse of Scripture, small as it is, gives us the remedy for our condition. 
And again, it's found in those five beautiful words, I will come unto you. Now your mother and father may leave you comfortless, but our Lord says, I will not. I'll come to you. I love the I wills of the Lord Jesus. So effectual. So certain. I will not leave you without help. I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Not I might, but I will. You can count it. Count on it. You can write it down. Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just send an angel, a servant. That would be great mercy in itself. But you are saying that you're going to come unto me. Yes to you. Yes to you. I won't leave you comfortless. You, Peter, who will deny me. You, Thomas, who will doubt me. All of you who will forsake me. I will not leave you comfortless. Here we see the riches and the sufficiency of our remedy. I will not leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. We're always encouraging sinners to come to Christ, but none can until God first comes to them. The Lord didn't promise to send sanctifying grace. The Lord didn't promise to send sustaining mercy. The Lord didn't promise to send forgiveness, pardon, even though He did send all those things when He sent His Son. But in this verse, our Lord promised the only thing that will prevent us from being orphans when He says, I will come to you. Amen. What could be better than that? It's wonderful to receive a gift from Christ's hand, but friends, it's much better to touch Christ's hand Himself. It's a great mercy to hear a promise from Christ's lips, but it's better to kiss those lips of promise. Our Lord does not say, I'll do this or that for you. Our blessed Lord says, I will come to you. And with Him comes all the blessings. It pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. In Him, the Lord Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you and I have Christ, we've got it all. Amen. If I have Christ, I have everything. Someone owes another $50 and the debtor gives the one who... He owes the money a promissory note. He says, I promise to pay you $50. And when the debt's paid and discharged, what good is that note? It's of no further value. If, if money is borrowed again, another note is required to secure the debt. How would you like to have a note from the hand of one that always stands good? Our Lord promises to pay forevermore. But this is not a debt that He owed us. It's a debt that we owe Him. For He will not leave us orphans. The first time a sinner comes to Christ, Christ comes to him. The next minute, it's still, I will come to you. He doesn't come once. Every minute of every day, day in and day out, our Lord Jesus does not leave us comfortless. 
He comes and He comes over and over and over again. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you have an abundant life? If you have Christ, you do. Oh, I come and I keep coming. 50 years past, 60, 70, and then 80. His promise is fulfilled thousands upon thousands of times. And just as fresh as it was when it was first spoken, the Lord again says, I will come to you. Do you need help? Do you need mercy? Do you need grace? Do you need salvation? You have this promise from the one, only one who can save. I will come to you. Then in your last moment, when your pulse beats faintly and your breath becomes shallow, you can still say, even with your fainting breath, Lord, you never left me comfortless. You never left me. You never forsook me. You always came to me. And that promise is still valid. I will not leave you comfortless right now. Are you comfortless at this hour? Now, I don't mean to be hard here, but if you are, it's your fault. Yes, sir. So it is. The Lord does not leave you so. Lord, you said that you would come to me. And you'll come to me now. After all, we need Him, don't we? Do you want Him? If you do, plead the promise. Are you parentless without one to feed and clothe you? Christ will not leave you that way. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He'll provide all that you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Are you an orphan that has no defense, shelter, protection in this world? Christ will come to you and be your advocate, your defender, your protector, your refuge, your shelter, your safety. Christ is all in and all. He's everything. And He says, I can do anything and I can do everything. And He can. And He can. No child of God will be left an orphan. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. Boy, there's no more endearing words to a man, and I'm sure it's the same with you ladies. Mommy or mother, Father, so endearing. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Charles Francis Adams, he was son of President John Quincy Adams and grandson of President John Adams. He kept a diary. 
And in one of his diary entries on a specific day, he wrote, when fishing with my son today, a day wasted. And it wasn't that he didn't enjoy being with his son, but what he meant was the day was a waste as far as being productive. Didn't get anything done. Uh, his son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. And it was found later on in his entry, in his diary on that same day, said, went fishing with my father the most wonderful day of my life. How interesting is it that a little boy's perspective can be so different from that of his dad's. The father saw the day as in unproductive, but the son saw it as a great investment of time. And the only way to really tell the difference between wasting time and investing time is to know the true importance of what you're doing. Mm. To have a father who loves you and cares for you, protects you and teaches you and guides you, why, it's not only a pleasure, but it's a wonderful privilege for his sons and daughters. Just ask an orphan. But understand this, Child of God, you're not an orphan. Yet the greatest privilege ever given to me is the promise from Christ my Savior who said, I will not leave you orphaned. I won't leave you fatherless. I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. The Lord Jesus is still coming. And the Lord Jesus is coming again. And he also said this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that wonderful news? If any man hear my voice, Christ said. Have you heard his voice? He said, any man hears my voice, I'll come into him. I'll sup with him and he will sup with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear. Have you heard? God will not leave you comfortless, fatherless, an orphan. He came in the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Are you lost? Are you orphaned? Are you fatherless? You don't have to be. Christ came in the world to save sinners so that you might come to Him. And he says in the book of Revelation, surely I come quickly. And you know what the child of God says? Even so, come Lord Jesus. Why? Because he's everything to us. Everything to us. May God be pleased to make it so for God's glory, our good, and for Christ's sake. Miss Judy, if you would come, let's sing a closing hymn. 447, please.